0: Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletau from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Spain is Yannicka Ubin. Yannicka is Vice President, Global Legal Transformation at TD Cinex. And joining us from the UK is our colleague, Travis Waugh, who's Director of Training, Policy, and Communication there. The two of them will be leading the session, Interactive Policies Using Technology to Enhance Decision Making at the 2023 SCCE Compliance and Ethics Institute. First, Janneke, Travis, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: Happy to join.
0: Oh, well, it's my pleasure having you and having you speak also at the 2023 Compliance and Ethics Institute. Your topic's really an intriguing one given how much technology holds promise when it comes to compliance ethics program. I I think it's the dream scenario, for example, that every time a tougher, risky decision has to be made, the right policy or policies would pop up in front of employees to give them the guidance they need. That's not possible, at least not yet. um, But what's the next best thing out there?
2: yeah I like how you said that's not possible because i the way I like to solve problems is think first about what a perfect world would look like and then work back to real world and what we can actually achieve so you know perfect world will be there's an ethics and compliance professional sitting with every coworker all the time so that whenever they're needed they can chime right in obviously that's never gonna happen um next best thing which I think we'll get to is that ethics and compliance guidance is fully integrated into the systems that coworkers are using anyway so you could imagine that if you're writing an email in Outlook just like today Outlook flags spelling errors for you to correct it could notice that a sentence you're writing suggests you might have a conflict of interest to disclose highlight it and say oh have you noticed that you might have a conflict of interest here disclose it for total peace of mind you know give them a little bit of guidance in the moment of need and a link to disclose similar thing with the, if if the language sounds like it might be striking a potential antitrust issue, for example, it could give you a little bit of guidance daily, who to call to ask for more guidance before you send the email. That's where I think we're gonna get to. I think you see things like ChatGPT and, and you know Microsoft is gonna layer it in into their new products. So you know we could, in theory, get a system like that working for ethics and compliance. It gives people that real time feedback. But until we get to that, we're stuck with the current real world, which is that we still rely on people coming to us. You know. In the past, that meant people coming to Policy Central, looking through a list of policies, knowing which policy was relevant to their situation, reading it, and understanding how to apply it to their situation. Which, frankly, was a high bar. You know, um, people are intelligent; they're capable of understanding a policy, but they don't have the time. They're they're too busy to to really comprehend and apply at that level. And so, you know, it was a barrier, uh, and some people chose not to do it, take the path of least resistance instead. So to me, when we talk about adaptive policy guidance, what we're really talking about is making sure that we are the path of least resistance, that our tools are so easy uh, and that they, they, you know, frankly, they, they give positive results. You know, one thing we try to do with our policies at TD Cinex is not say no any more than we have to. You know, we, we, we wanna help our business move forward. We wanna help our coworkers drive the business forward within ethical and legal constraints. So, you know, a lot of times people come to us for guidance and they're happy to hear that the guidance is yeah, sounds good, go ahead, just maybe make sure you do this thing first or that you don't do this while you're doing it. So that's the kind of guidance they get from us. So if we can make it easy to get that guidance, they're glad to have received it. It gives them peace of mind and and they come back for guidance next time. So that's what our adaptive tools are all about.
0: And the more that you can be seen as being there to help give the guidance and help things move forward rather than being, you know, you talked before about the path of least resistance, versus being the path of most resistance, that's obviously a positive. Yannicka, once they have the right policy in front of them, how do we get them the tools to take things from there to make sure that the conflict of interest disclosure is made or notify the right people?
1: Yeah, sure. So an important thing when when an organization is looking to to implement such tools is really to start with the benefit in mind and rather not the tool in mind. Uh, And we as a company need to invest in solutions that will make our co-workers' lives easier and that will help them, as well as our company, make better decisions that will reduce ethics and compliance risk. Um, And these benefits, they can really be achieved directly with adaptive tools that offer relevant, timely guidance and action in the moment of need. Um, but they can also be uh, achieved indirectly by by answering easy questions and freeing up co-worker time for for higher value activities. And so we at TD Cynics have invested in a tool that's called Brighter. Um, This is a no-code tool for interactive decision making and we have developed various modules in this tool. So our conflicts of interest module is is one of those. those. Um, Through a series of questions, um, it gives co-workers guidance and routes a disclosure form to their manager. Um, the manager name currently needs to be, be added manually, uh, but then the, manual, the manager will go into that same tool to add notes and recommendations, and then um, the, the form will automatically be routed to HR to, to approve and close. Uh, and, and in addition to that, we have created dashboards that will show the whole process. So there's one dashboard at the regional level um, for HR and for ethics and compliance, and then there's another one for the managers that, that will show just their teams. Um, we're also looking to potentially integrate uh, the brighter tool with, with Workday um, to streamline everything further in the future so that the manager's name, for example, gets filled in automatically, uh, which would make our coworkers' lives even easier.
0: I would say, and as you're describing this, would be one heck of a great resource to help refine the overall compliance program. I can imagine it would generate a great deal of data about what risks the workforce is facing and really how to adjust the compliance program accordingly.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and, And we have seen that in the past. So the data really helps identify potential gaps in policies but it also really helps us identify where additional training may be required. So for example, if we get a lot of questions through the tool about a specific part of our antitrust policy, we then know that that we really need to invest in in more training in that specific topic, or for example, about government officials, and we really know where to focus our resources. Um, And because of these tools, our ethics and compliance uh, coworkers, they really also have time to focus on, on targeted training, uh, rather than spending time on answering the same questions over and over and over. Um, you know, we really believe in automating what's easy so that we can focus on building relationships and, and truly uh, adding value.
0: And It's all about adding value and keeping the company on the straight and narrow. Now, a lot of compliance departments may feel that they don't have the time or resources to innovate. What's your advice for someone who wants to try to use technology to improve the compliance program, but isn't sure what they can realistically achieve or or doesn't even know where to start?
2: Yeah, well, it's something we're really excited to talk about at the conference in a little bit more depth, but uh, might sound like an overly simple answer, but I would just say start, you know, start start trying. Uh, These tools are getting more powerful all the time and they're getting easier all the time. So. The tool we use the most often called Brighter is a is a no code solution. So you know I, I've never had to write a single line of code to build any of the interactive modules that we've built, and, and we have built quite a few at this point, and some of them quite complex. I have you know they, they write to databases so that we can have different data views and different dashboards for different purposes. They take action on behalf of the user, all that without any coding, uh, and that's only going to get easier and easier. The tools are becoming, you know, you have to think about as Janika said the value that you're trying to deliver. You know, I think that's the biggest question is you don't want to create tools for the sake of tools. So so the, the biggest question, the hardest question is where do you people want you to make life easier? Once you have a clear understanding of that, then it's usually pretty easy to see, well, it'd be great if we had a tool that could, you know, ask people a few questions and determine if they have a conflict of interest and if so, disclose it for them or ask people a few questions and determine if this particular gift is okay to accept in the moment of need actually to start building it uh, iteration is really important so if you tried to build a perfect solution right off the bat that's a really daunting idea that would that would be immobilizing in my opinion but you can build a solution that offers value that's the key it has to be something that at least answers one important question a user might have in an in easy useful way and then as people start using it you start to see how you can expand on it and and how you can add new features that will make it even more powerful and it, it works quite naturally that as you're expanding the tool, you're expanding your own skills, which then gives you new ideas of how to expand the tool. And it's an iterative cycle. So, you know, I can say I've never had any formal training in Brighter. I like technology. I'm somebody who likes to dabble. So, you know, in the last three years from very simple modules we built at first, they've just naturally become more complicated and more useful modules. Um, so if you like to dabble, try to get a free trial and start experimenting. Uh, if you don't, there's probably somebody in your team who loves this stuff, who would, who would love just the mandate of saying, you know, go out there and try to build this tool. And, you know, here's, you know, have five hours a week, put it on your goals so that we all know it's something you're going to spend some time on. People like me would absolutely love that opportunity and that, and that challenge. So find those people and find robust tools that allow them to build many different kinds of solutions in one, on one platform.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, at TD Cinex at this moment we are a bit further uh, advanced, but uh, because we now have two full-time resources that are really dedicated to to transformation in the, in our global legal and compliance teams. But when we started, it, it was much smaller, right? We simply freed up the time for for several people uh, to spend a part of their uh, of their job, and it was part of their their official job description to spend on on process improvement and, and innovation. Um, and I think that that's just the way to start. Make sure that you free up people's time to really uh, to really invest in that and as Travis was saying, I think it's super important to embrace an agile mindset, work with minimum viable products, frequent iteration, just as Travis was saying, begin with an with the end in mind and then measure the results throughout to improve performance and that way you can also justify further investment once you can prove that that the tools that you're using are really working and you know once the organization becomes more data driven and you can show more data you can show the results it will be easier to uh, to justify further investments
0: the, the iterative approach definitely has a ton of advantages because it does give you time to learn give you time to demonstrate the uh effectiveness of things and find out what more you can be doing now one area that people focus a lot is on chat box recently um Sometimes they're very useful, but most of the time I got to say as a consumer, they tend to be sort of annoying. Uh, I often think, can I just talk to a human who would understand what I'm saying? How do you avoid the frustrations and ensure that the tools you build are well received by your co-workers?
2: Yeah, I think, well, as somebody who shares your frustrations, I think for us, one of the secrets has been not trying to pretend to be a human being. Um, I created a a chat bot in my previous employer using Watson that I was quite proud of, but I spent a lot of time putting little Easter eggs in it. You know, I, I tried to give it a sense of humor. If you insulted it, it would insult you back. You could ask it for a joke. It would tell you a joke in my mind i think i was thinking that people would find it entertaining and that it would you know encourage adoption of the tool which had some useful things it could do as well um, in hindsight you know people liked the useful things but nobody i don't ever noticed or certainly never told me that they enjoyed any of the jokes that i spent that time putting in and i think that's especially true today because anybody who's interested in talking to a, a fake ai and pretending it's human you know they're going to be playing with chat gpt all the time and you know we can't build something that's going to mimic that uh, so it's one of the reasons I actually like a tool like Brighter because it's not a chatbot type tool. It's not pretending to have conversations with people. It's a, it's a decision workflow tool. So you ask somebody a question, it's kind of an on-rails experience. They have maybe four options to choose from. It's quite easy for them to see the option that applies to their situation. Based on what they answer, it'll ask a follow-up question. And within maybe four or five questions, it's gathered enough information that it can give you a specific piece of guidance. Uh, and, and I think personally people find that a more satisfying experience because it 's not wasting any time it it shows them clearly what their options are and it shows them easily if if this tool isn't going to help them and they before they waste a bunch of time it, it says okay this tool isn't for me my options aren't here and they go talk to a human being before they waste any any effort so with chat with chat tools changing that might change soon that we might be able to build more of like a, a human seeming ethics and compliance agent that tells people anything they might want to know but i don't think we're quite able to achieve that yet in a way that wouldn't feel frustrating.
0: Well, one thing we all know is that technology, it will evolve and it will change and will hopefully get even more useful. Janneke, Travis, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us today and also at the 2023 Compliance and Ethics Institute. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Trittletaup from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.